As I hope you recall from last week, this is the every third year in the church's Sunday readings, we hear either four or five consecutive weeks, four or five weeks from the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John. It'll be four weeks this year because next Sunday we celebrate the Feast of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. The sixth chapter of John for most Christians in most generations has unique importance. It's a chapter in which 2,000 years ago in the scene of a crowd of people and in every generation until the end of time, Jesus reveals some of the basic truth of who he is, what he offers the world, how he works with people, how he interacts with people. And very importantly, the sixth chapter of John shows 2,000 years ago, and I believe in every subsequent generation, how crowds of people respond to Jesus when he really lays out who he is and what he offers. By no means is it just an easy or positive response from people. So I encourage you to continue. I hope you started this last week. Day by day, reopen the passage that we hear each Sunday. Just take it straight what does Jesus do, what does he offer, and how do people respond? If you could connect this scripture passage to the way you and we are living, I think that means we're getting into it. So last week we heard the first 15 verses of John 6. I hope you recall this. It's John's accounting of Jesus's miracle of taking five barley loaves of bread, two dried fish, and through the power that he uniquely has as the Son of God, he miraculously multiplies this little bit of food to feed a crowd of 5, 10, 15, 20,000 people, a huge crowd of people. It's probably 15 or 20,000 people. It's the only miracle reported in all four Gospels, and in terms of numbers of people affected, it's Jesus's greatest miracle reported in the scripture. So this biggest of all big miracles, it's a huge thing, huge numbers of people experiencing firsthand that Jesus has a power to multiply a little bit of food to feed this vast crowd. The crowd by no means understands who Jesus is at this point. This is a realistic portrayal of what takes place. People are not God machines, they're limited people. It's very realistic. At the end of last week's passage, Jesus withdraws from the crowd and goes back to the mountain by himself because he knows that the crowd want to carry him off to be their king. Many Jewish people at Jesus' time are expecting a Messiah. They've been told for generations, a Messiah is going to come to this world. And they think he'll be in the form of a military, political king. That's not who Jesus is at all. So he withdraws from the crowd. Point here is the crowd is limited. They don't nearly understand who Jesus is. It's also to state the obvious, Jesus does this wonderful thing to meet their need, their hunger, or even just their wants for a good meal. Who doesn't like a free meal? Jesus does this wonderful miracle, but Jesus does not work in this world, just staying in that place with that group of people, repeating the miracle over and over again. The miracle is wonderful and it's huge, but it is not nearly what Jesus has to offer them. He has much, 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 much more to offer people than meeting their need for food at this given moment. Okay, so 
the passage that we don't hear, it's a little bit of a skip, is verses 16 to 23. And I'm paid the big bucks to keep you up to date here. So in verses 16 to 23, after the miracle, Jesus' disciples that evening get into the boat, one boat, and they go off to Capernaum, across the Sea of Galilee, which is Jesus' home base. Jesus has remained alone. Jesus, the scripture tells us, as the disciples in the darkness are going across the Sea of Galilee, appears miraculously to them, walking on the water, and then they're propelled to Capernaum. The next morning, some of the crowd who have remained where the multiplication takes place, they know that the boat has left, they saw that, and they saw that Jesus was not in the boat, but they see that Jesus is not there, and they only had one boat. So they find some boats, they go off to Capernaum, knowing that that's his home base, and they find Jesus. That's where we just picked up this morning. When this crowd gets to Jesus, they ask the obvious question, when did you get here? The answer factually to that question is, last night, I miraculously walked across the Sea of Galilee. That's pretty interesting information. That's another big miracle. That's something that would reveal the power of God in Jesus. But he chooses not to give them that information, I presume, because he has something much bigger to tell them. His first answer to their question is, you're looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. It's a statement of fact. It's not a criticism, I don't think. You are looking for me because you were either hungry or you like a free meal. You got the loaves, you ate them. That's the level on which you're interested in me. You haven't seen signs. A sign is you witness the miracle, but the loaf multiplication is meant to lead you to a much deeper truth about who I am. So he's just telling them at this point, you're looking for me on the level of basic human need or want physically, but there's much more to come. He then gets into a dialogue with these people, which again emphasizes how little they understand who Jesus is and what he's offering them at this point. He tells them physical food, bread, perishes. It does. It just lasts for a while. It goes stale and it decays. There's another kind of bread, he says, a bread from heaven. This bread comes from God the Father, and it will be given to you through me, Jesus, the Son of Man. That's the title he uses uniquely for himself. This bread from heaven is for the life of the world, and this bread from heaven endures for eternal life. We don't need to talk about the miracle of the multiplication of the loaves. We're talking about a different kind of bread, a bread that comes from heaven that I, Jesus, will give you that will endure for eternal life. To repeat, in the dialogue back and forth, they don't, how could they understand what he's talking about? But they listen to him. And the crowd says at the end of the dialogue, sir, give us this bread always. So he has hit something in them. Give us this bread always. And then Jesus gives the the big, I believe, teaching in this part of the chapter. I, Jesus, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. 
Every single one of us, every human being, has lots and lots and lots of physical, practical, emotional, psychological needs. And we have a whole lot of wants way beyond our actual needs. We all have lots and lots of needs. Much more important, much more important at any given time than our physical needs are our spiritual needs. It's really good to be reminded of this because for all kinds of reasons, good and bad, we can be very much focused on our material, physical needs. We are created by God. That's the only origin we have. The deepest need we always have as human beings is to live love back to God. Whether you like this or not, no matter what your priorities are, that's the truth. The only reason we exist right now is because God loves us, because God wants us to exist. The deepest need we in fact have to be fully alive, to be fulfilled, to be powerful, to be happy, is to live God's love. It's spiritual, not material. First and foremost, it's spiritual. We are all created to live eternally with God. And the only way that will become true is if we choose to live God's love first and foremost. The only way we get to God in this fallen sinful world, there's only one savior, Jesus Christ. There is no other savior. The way that Jesus saves us enables us to be with God now and eternally is not through a series of miracles where he comes in and meets all of our earthly needs, including the most important ones. The way he saves us is he gives us himself. Whoever comes to me, whoever believes in me, and you know this by now, belief means accept him as the savior, put him at the center of my life, listen to him, learn what he teaches and do it. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. The way to find the fullness of life now and eternally is by believing in Jesus. So this is actually very liberating. Just think about bread, which is in the images that we had from the first reading, the Psalm and this all important passage. Bread is really great. Every human being has to eat to survive physically. This is an important need. It's not just a want. It's really, really important, but it is not the most important reality. If I eat bread, bread will perish sooner or later. If I am focused on Jesus first and foremost, even before eating, he will never perish, and I won't either. If I believe in him, I will never perish. If I first and foremost choose today to focus on him and not the other needs find their proper place, I will never perish. If I believe in Jesus and I am suffering even famine, if I'm a person in this community, there are way too many of us who is suffering physical hunger. If I believe in Jesus first and I do get the bread to eat today, that's wonderful, nothing but good. If I do believe in Jesus, and I don't get the bread I need today, that's awful, but I'm never gonna die ultimately. 
If I believe in him and I don't get the bread I need physically, it's a terrible thing, but if I believe in him, he will lead me through this. Unless you think I'm undervaluing the reality of physical hunger, the more people who believe in Jesus, the fewer people who are hungry on this planet, right? We know that in this community. If we first and foremost focus on believing in Jesus, doing what he tells us to do, which is to feed the hungry, obviously way more people are physically, way fewer people are physically hungry than they otherwise are. So I invite you to consider this last thought is, if I have all the bread in the world and I don't believe in Jesus, I'm nothing, right? Bread meaning every other need. So I invite you to consider this this week, to repeat, it's very liberating. I know many of you are way into this, you believe it, so hopefully it's encouraging, but it's very liberating. The first choice I am making, hour by hour, day by day, is it the bread or is it believing in Jesus? If you don't already do it, try it. This is the way of eternal life.